It's amazing to me how many people desire to grow in their walk with God, regardless of where they are in the journey. So they ask for more faith. Many people pray for it. Other people say, if I come to church, maybe I'll just serendipitously get it. However, the scripture is very clear about how we get more faith. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God as Romans chapter 10 verse 17 reminds us. So our prayer for you as you hear this message is that your faith would go from where it is to where God intends it to be. Grow as you hear this word. Hallelujah. There are moments in worship where you just don't need to just move on. There are moments that you need to sit in the space where God's spirit dwells and be reminded. Listen, be reminded of who he is. I don't know if you really listen to the words of that song, but my mother's favorite scripture was, I will look unto the hills from which cometh my help because my help comes from the Lord. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but I don't know what happens when you're overwhelmed. What do you do? What do you do when you're overwhelmed? What do you do when it seems like everything around you is spinning and out of control? You know, the song said, it says, the Lord is, he's my strength. Your health is not your strength. Your job is not your strength. Your family is not your strength. The government is not your strength. The Lord is the strength of your life but not only that the song said he's your shield has the lord ever protected you have you ever been in a situation has your car ever run up on something and you got out the car and the car looked crazy and you you came out unscathed nothing but god being a shield around you but not only that you all he is wisdom he is all that we need and so i pray today that in the moments that you might seem overwhelmed that you would just take a moment to give him praise. Why? Because he reigns. <laughs> when you realize that he's sitting on the throne, no matter what you're going through, no matter the situation, it's not greater than a sovereign God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just pray right now that wherever you are, just take a moment and just purposefully give him a hallelujah. I know for some of you all it might be a press, it might be a push, it might be difficult, but would you just put a praise of hallelujah on your lips? God, you're holy, you're wonderful, you're worthy, there's none like you, mighty God. When you worship him, you bring him in on the scene. When you worship him, you bring God in on the situation. God dwells in the midst of the praises of his people. God, we love you and we honor you and I'm so aware that there's so many people, God, who watch us and connect with us God who are overwhelmed who life circumstances have taken them in so many different directions but God our prayer today is that they will be reminded that you reign and that because you reign God you deserve all the highest hallelujahs that we can give for someone that's listening God that doesn't know you that has never come to accept you would you draw them closer to you for someone God that's fallen off and they've fallen by the wayside thank you that they've connected today and would you bring them back home and for someone that loves you with all of their heart mind soul and strength would you dig them in deeper that they might come to have revelation that you indeed are their shield their strength their rock and we'll be so careful to give you all the hallelujahs that we can in Jesus name we pray amen and amen wherever you give him praise come on real for real wherever you are would you give him praise <laughs> hallelujah
Listen, let me tell you something. Praise is a decision. Praise is a decision. And you can choose to not praise and you can choose to praise. But the Bible tells us that when we do choose to praise, we bring God's presence in the situation. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for keeping us. We thank you so much, God, that you and your cross represent for us victory over the enemy. Reminds us that we are now no longer strangers. We're no longer foreigners, but we have been called brothers and sisters. We've been called joint heirs with you. And for that, we are humbled and we're grateful. Father, we thank you so much for danger seen and unseen that you have delivered us from. We thank you for provision that you continue to bestow upon us far more than we're worthy to receive. So God, we pray today that we would not approach your word in a cavalier way. Help us to not be familiar with sacred and holy things. But let us come, Lord, with humility and with expectancy that your word would bring revelation to us. Less of us and more of you is our prayer. In the name that's above all others, in the name that keeps us, the name that shields us, in the name that's our rock. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all that agree with that said, amen. And amen. Wherever you are, would you give him a praise for a moment? Do that. Would you do it? Hallelujah. Amen. I thank the Lord for our worship team. I'm so grateful for the amazing job that they do to honor God and give their gifts to him. And so I'm so grateful. And I just want to also say, I mean, not just our worship team alone, but our tech team and uh, those that come in every week, our band, to help us make this happen. This doesn't just happen. There's some people behind the scenes that don't uh, get in the camera that are really making this happen. And for that, we are so thankful and so grateful. Uh, uh, I'm really grateful to have one of my heroes in the audience uh, that just came in to sit with us today. He doesn't even know it, uh, but Pastor Bland uh, is, is with us, just came in for a moment to be with us, and he'll never know. Uh, but his ministry when I was in Chicago, I was able to be familiar with it. And when he uh, came to Detroit and I came to Detroit, I'm, I almost want to just go somewhere else because I'm like, you know, a real preacher just showed up and I don't know who I'm going to be in this city. He's such a mighty man of God, such a gracious man of God. And I'm just so grateful for him. He is the father of our own Brandon who plays with us. And so well, isn't that a blessing? Listen, y'all don't know this, but pastors don't just go and just sit and listen. You know, so that just shows the kind of man of God that he is. And I'm so grateful for his friendship and for his love. Uh, If you have your Bibles, if you'd open them with me to the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 14, as we're continuing in our verse by verse study of the book of Revelation, we now find ourselves in Revelation 14, verse 6. And for those of you all who are new with us today and you're joining us, us. And many of you may be wondering, why are they going through the book of Revelation? And why would they be journeying through it verse by verse? Well, the Bible says, first of all, the book of Revelation is the only book of the Bible that comes with a blessing. Uh, The Bible says in Revelation, and it opens up, that those who read it are blessed, and those who speak it uh, are blessed. Those who hear it are blessed, and those who read it are blessed. And so it's the only book that comes with the promise that once you read it, you're blessed, and once you hear it, you're blessed. But not only that, you all, it unfolds so many of the things uh, that are to come. And for many of us who are trying to figure out the exact day and time, we'll never know that. But it's so important to be aware of the seasons and aware of the things that are occurring that are kind of moving us in that direction so that we will not be deceived. So Revelation chapter 4, beginning at verse 6. It says, then I saw another angel flying in midair, 
And he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. He said in a loud voice, fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. A second angel followed and said, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, which made all the nations drink the maddening wine of her adulteries. A third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast and its image and receives its mark on their forehead or on their hand, they too will drink the wine of God's fury, which has been poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. They will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the lamb, and the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever. There will be no rest day or night for those who worship the beast and its image or for anyone who receives the mark of its name. This calls for patient endurance on the part of the people of God who keep his commands and remain faithful to Jesus. Then I heard a voice from heaven say, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the spirit, they will rest from their labor for their deeds will follow them. I looked, and there before me was a white cloud, and seated on the cloud was one like the Son of Man, with a crown of gold on his head, and a sharp sickle in his hand. Then another angel came out of the temple and called in a loud voice to him who was sitting on the cloud, Take your sickle and reap, because the time to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he who was seated on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth and the earth was harvested. Another angel came out of the temple in heaven and he too had a sharp sickle. Still another angel who had charge of the fire came from the altar and called in a loud voice to him who had the sharp sickle, take your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of grapes from the earth's vine because its grapes are ripe. The angel swung his sickle on the earth and gathered its grapes and threw them into the great winepress of God's wrath. They were trampled in the winepress outside the city, and blood flowed out of the press, rising as high as the horse's bridles for a distance of 1,600 stadia. I want to talk today from the subject, harvest time. Harvest time. Many of us who live in major cities and non-agricultural agricultural communities have no really concept, really, of the magnitude of what it meant for harvest time to occur. Many of us know that there's seed time and then there's harvest. Uh, there's a, an opportunity that we have to plant seed and then to water it, to tend to it. But then there comes a moment where if we're not careful, if we miss the, the, the proper timing for harvest, an entire crop can be wasted. If, we do not, if you don't look and carefully notice the signs of when a, a crop is ripe, you can invest all of that money and all of that time into seed sowing and totally miss the harvest. Well, you are human Humanity has a harvest time coming. And most of us, because we don't understand what to look for, because we don't understand what to see, we don't really understand when the harvest is getting ripe. You all, the Bible says Jesus reminded us that the harvest is ready, but the laborers are few. In other words, many of us who are believers in Jesus don't know the role that we play in helping those who are to be in God's kingdom come to his favor and not to his wrath. 
But in this chapter, you all, we're getting ready to see now the culmination of all of the things that we've been talking about already in Revelation. We're getting ready to see Jesus himself now get ready to wage war on earth. He came in the beginning as a, a, a lamb, and now he comes as a conquering king. He came before as one who only came to seek and save those who are lost, and now he comes to bring judgment. You all, it's important to realize that when we serve Jesus, we cannot just serve the Jesus that is comfortable to us. We've got to serve the Jesus in the totality of who he is. He is not only a king, he is not only a person who comes to be worshipped, but he also is one who is sit in, sit in the seat of a judge. And listen, you all, everybody in the world will die. But the Bible says that's not the end. After death comes the judgment. And here's the question to, to many of you that are watching. I know that many of you know that you'll die one day. I know that many of you know that everybody's going to die one day. But here's the question. What will happen after death? Do you know that when you are dead, you will be judged by God himself? And if you have, listen, if you have not accepted the only one that he's given to the world to be able to communicate with him, the only means by which he's given us to connect with him, the Bible says Jesus is the way. The Bible says he is the door. Anybody that comes any other way is like a thief and a robber. If for whatever reason we have not accepted Jesus as that one that gives us access to God, guess what our judgment will be? Eternal separation separation from God. And so there's nothing more urgent for the church. There's nothing more urgent for the Christian community to do and to understand than our mission and mandate to be witnesses about him and to let people that don't know Christ come to know him. Well, let's go back in the text and see what happened here in the beginning. I want to kind of allude to what I talked to last week. It says in verse 16, then I saw another angel flying in midair and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth to every nation, tribe, and language and people. The Bible tells us that uh, in these end times, in this moment here, John sees an angel flying midair carrying the eternal gospel. We talked about this last week. And the reason for that, you all, is that during the tribulation, listen, during the tribulation, the great tribulation, there will be many people that will still hear the gospel and come to faith. And what's so powerful about the angel of God, that in the midst of a time where the gospel is prohibited, in the midst of a time where the Antichrist and his false prophets sit in global leadership, the gospel will still be preached. Because the gospel is not in the hand of a person, it's in the hand of an angel. I, I appreciate the fact that no matter who tries to keep you from the favor of God and who tries to keep you from the blessings of God, when God has something for you, there's nobody that can stand in the way. So even in the midst of the great tribulation with an antichrist that is against God, the gospel will still be proclaimed. Hallelujah. And listen, y'all, we're not in the midst of the tribulation now. But we need to still proclaim the gospel now. We still need to open our mouths and preach and share the good news. The Bible says, he said in a loud voice, fear God, fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment, what? Has come. In other words, for all of those who in the past were saying, God, I accept you and I honor you because I love you. He says, you know what? The urgency has been turned up real high because now the judgment of God has come. So fear him and, and come to him. Worship him who made all the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. The gospel is being proclaimed to those in this hour who in the midst of a time where the Holy Spirit, listen, the Holy Spirit has been removed from the earth. The Holy Spirit is no longer on the earth. And therefore, these individuals who even come to faith are not coming to faith by a nudge of the Spirit. And once coming to faith, they would not have the comfort of the Spirit. But in the midst of that, many will still come to follow Jesus. 
Now look what it says in the next verse. This is the turn here. A second angel followed him and said, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, which made all the nations drink the maddening wine of her adulteries. Alexander Hilsop uh, has a book called The Two Babylons and gives us a, a backdrop of Babylon's beginning historically. Uh, this lady by the name of Samirimus was Nimrod's wife. And some scholars believe that, that, this, that, that she was his mother and she actually married her son. And it, as a matter of fact, she actually developed a uh, theology or religion, uh, really an idolatry, that she uh, came out of an egg out of the Euphrates River. And she came out of the egg fully formed, broke through the egg, and therefore was intended to be worshipped as deity. And you all, she actually, along with Nimrod, these were the individuals who were helping to lead idol worship in Babel. And out of Babel came Babylon. And so Babylon has been synonymous with idol worship and the, and the spirit of Babylon. It may not be, listen, there may not be countries that, that own the name Babylon or there may be people who call themselves Babylonians, but the spirit of Babylon still exists. Anybody that worships idols, anybody that lifts things up above God. Those are idol worships. And the spirit of Babylon will come full-fledged, full height when the Antichrist takes the throne. So now, here comes the proclamation. Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. Because this mindset, this mentality, this kingdom of Satan has caused nations to drink the maddening or the crazy wine of their adulteries. In other words, we're supposed to be married to Christ. We're supposed to be joined to God. But because of this idol worship, we now have committed adultery. And it's made the world mad. It's made the world insane. He said they drunk from the wine of her maddening adulteries. A third angel followed and said in a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast and its image and receive its mark on their forehead or their hand, they too will drink the wine of God's fury, which has been poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. That, I don't know about that. Have you, that right now, that scares me. It says anybody who took the mark of the beast on the forehead of the hand, we've already talked about that, any of those who did that during this period of the tribulation, listen to what it says. It says they will drink the wine of God's fury, which has been poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. You all, God will come back as a judge. And the judgment of God is worse than anything you could ever imagine. Listen, you all, I thank God that he's merciful. I thank God that he's kind. I thank God that he's loving. And I thank God that he's ever long-suffering with us. But I also know that he's a God of justice. I also know that he's a God of truth. And when the time comes for those who've made the decision to not serve him, but instead serve someone else willingly and knowingly, God says he's going to open up his wrath full strength and pour it into this cup of his wrath, and he will be giving it to humanity. Well, what does that look like, Pastor? What, what does God's wrath look like? It may not be that bad, you know, just like the prison system. In the, I can get cat, I can get cable, I can work out, I can get a degree. Um, you know, it's going to be like that. No, 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 look what it says. They will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb. Now, listen, y'all, many people will look at this text and say, oh, they're talking about hell. 
Well, they're not really talking about hell. He's talking about the judgment that will happen during the tribulation for those who take the mark of the beast when God's wrath is poured out. Look what he says. He says, during that time, they will be tormented with burning sulfur. Their flesh will be burning in the presence of the lamb and of the angels. Watch this now. And the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever. You all, I don't know about you, but I, I don't want to be in a situation where my torment is going to be forever and ever. You all, have you ever had a headache? I had a headache this morning. Have you ever had a toothache? Have you ever had your, your baby toe hurt real bad? You all, some of the worst pains in life, thank goodness that there's some things that will mitigate it, some things that will stop it. But can you imagine being tormented by God and that torment having no relief forever and forever? Now, many of you all don't believe in hell, and there's this new kind of theology where you know God, who's a loving God, would never send people to hell. That is a false theology, and it's a wrong theology. It is not the Bible. Listen, y'all, you need to understand this. If God, listen, if God has prepared a place for his people, then he also has prepared a place for those who are not his people. You're not just going to go to heaven when you die. No, if you've not accepted Jesus as the truth and the way, then you cannot go into heaven. Why? Because he's the only means by which you get there. So then what is the place you're going to? Well, the Bible says here that the wrath of God looks like sulfur. It looks like burning fire, and it looks like torment that will be forever and forever. That's what hell is. Hell is torment forever and ever. There will be no rest, day or night, for those who worship the beast and its image, or anyone who receives the mark of its name. Well, Pastor Kerry, I hear you, but this is 2021, man. It's, we ain't got no mark or no beast. Ain't nobody got no mark or no beast. So what that got to do with me? Pastor, I hear what you're saying. It's important for us to know end times and understand what's happening in the future. But what relevance does this have to me right now in 2021? I'm glad that you asked. The relevance is this. You have not been, you've not been audibly told to take a mark on your head. You've not been audibly commanded to take a mark on your hand in allegiance to a beast. But I believe you all, we have been given choices that have caused us to do the similar activities that have been recognized here in Revelation. You may not have taken a mark on your head, but you've taken a mark in your heart. You may not have taken a mark on your hand, but you've taken a mark in the way that you've chosen to live your life. And the Bible tells us that we have been given the free will. God has given us choice as human agents to decide to choose him or to not choose him. So here's the question. Let's make it broader than Revelation. Have you chosen Jesus? Because the question is, those who have taken the mark of the beast, their judgment will come. And we found out that the 144,000 that were standing with Jesus on Mount Zion, it said, guess what it said? They had the mark of God on their foreheads. Remember that? So here's the question right now. Right now, which mark is on your life? Is it the mark of God? Or is it the mark of the enemy? Is it the mark of the one who stands against God? And based on how you've been sealed <laughs> will determine how and where you go. You know, I mentioned years ago that uh, I met some of y'all, I know some of y'all have never been to clubs or never been to parties or whatever, but I remember one time I decided, I had just got saved, uh, I said, I'm going to a club, I don't care. 
I'm tired. I'm tired of just sitting up. I'm going to go to a club, and I'm going to dance, and I'm going to get down. And I went to the club. It's a, it's a guy. I went to the club. People were coming to me saying, why are you here? I mean, it was, it, I purposely went to a place that didn't nobody know me. So it wasn't like they knew me. But can I tell you something? When you come to know Jesus, you are marked. And you know what? You, you can act like you ain't marked. You can try to pretend like you are not marked. But you are sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. And you can pretend all you want that you want to be crazy and wild and all of that. But you have been sealed by God. And you cannot ignore the seal of God. I wonder, is there anybody that knows that you've been in some situations where you tried to pretend like you didn't know him and you got your card pulled? <laughs> At the end, somebody finally told me, you don't belong here. And it was an employee of the club. Y'all don't believe me. That's all right. Maybe that's because you ain't sealed. You'll know what I'm talking about. But if you've been sealed, if you've been sealed, you all, God promises that you will be with him but those who have chosen to disobey him the bible says that they indeed you all will be punished and they will end up being in situations where they'll be crying out and there'll be no rest and there'll be no peace and there'll be no nothing but torment and i'm wondering for those that are listening now how many of your lives are filled with no rest how many of your lives are filled with torment how many of your lives are filled with emptiness well that aligns itself with those who have made choices of the enemy and not of God. Finally, it says that this calls for patient endurance on the part of the people of God who keep his commands and remain faithful to Jesus. Again, John is speaking to those in the tribulation who will be hearing this. He's saying this is going to cause call for great endurance and patience as you remain faithful to Jesus when everything around you is saying to not remain faithful. You all, we're in a, listen, first time in American history that we're in a post-Christian America. Do you know what that means? For the first time in American history, there are more people that identify with being non-Christian than Christian for the first time. So you can't just say stuff like, well, you know, you know what the Bible says. No, I don't know what the Bible says. You can't say stuff like, well, you understand this. No, no, I don't understand. This is the first time in American history that more people say, I do not identify with Christ than I do identify with Christ. Which means that in the past, there was a Christian culture in America. So going to church, and then in the African-American community, for it was even deeper. And so there was a given that you went to church. It was a given that you worshiped. It was a given that you, it's not a given anymore. And so you all, we're moving further and further away from God. And listen, it is lining up with biblical prophecy. But here's the question. The Bible says he told those people in the tribulation, it's going to call for patient endurance on part of the people of God who keep his commands. And look, remain faithful to Jesus. Will you remain faithful to Jesus when society tells you that you're remaining faithful is being uh, non-tolerant? Will you remain faithful to Jesus when society tells you that your faithfulness to Jesus is isolationism? Will you remain faithful to him if it means that you will end up losing your career, losing your job because you align with the Bible that is against the culture? You need to hear what I just said to you. The culture is becoming anti-Christian. And do you know when laws are made, Okay, several years ago at church, I'll never forget it, I stood up, and a millennial stood up after I had a conversation about some things, and she looked with almost sympathy on her face. She said, Pastor, you still believe that we're a Christian nation, don't you? She said, no, America is a nation of the people, which means when the people in the country are no longer Christ-centered, its laws, its practices must align with the populace. 
which means if the country as a whole don't believe in Jesus and the things of God, that means the lawmakers must represent its people, which means the laws must align with people that don't believe the scripture. And what happens when laws arise that are against your Bible? <laughs> will you choose to capitulate because now you will find judgment from the government for not aligning with the government's view of life? Well, you all, it's pivotal that we realize even in 2021, we're not in the great tribulation, but that we have an opportunity now to do what God asked them to do, to be patient and to endure and to keep the commands of Christ and remain faithful to Jesus in a society and a world that is increasingly removing us further and further away from the claims of Christ. And that is a decision that you have to make every day. You and I have to go in situations in boardrooms. You've got to have conversations with your children. You've got to have conversations with your colleagues who have a worldview that's not Christ-centered. And you've got to make the decision, am I going to be quiet and kind of blend in with the crowd? Or am I going to stand up and say what I believe the scriptures say about what is truth? And if we choose to do that, you all, we also sign up for sometimes great persecution. Verse 13. Then I heard a voice from heaven say, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the spirit, they will rest from their labor for their deeds will follow them. This is also a foreshadowing to those in the great tribulation that because of their decision to follow Christ, they would be martyred and they would be killed. But the comfort in the scripture says, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Why? Because they'll rest from their labor. But not only that, the things that they did in life, the deeds that they did in life will follow them. <laughs> I wonder today what, what, what deeds will follow you into eternity. Some deeds I don't want to follow me into eternity, right? But there's some deeds that I thank God that I've done and I've made decisions for him that will follow me into eternity. And the greatest deed that you could do. <laughs> the greatest deed that I could do is to say, Jesus, I realize that I did not make the world nor myself. Jesus, I realize that God sent you to be one that could give me connection to God. God is so holy and we're not. And I accept you, Jesus, as my Savior. That deed will follow you into eternity. The absence of that deed will also follow you into an eternity, but an eternity that would be far from God. So this is where I want to transition, and then we're done. Look at this. I looked, and there before me was a white cloud, verse 14, and seated on the cloud. Now that's a bad, whoever's seating on the cloud is a bad boy. I mean, to be sitting, chilling on the cloud. And his likeness was like the son of man with a crown of gold on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. Then another angel, there's a lot of angels in heaven. Another angel came out of the temple and called in a loud voice to him who was sitting on the cloud, take your sickle and reap, because the time to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he who was seated on the cloud swung his sickle on the earth, over the earth, and the earth was harvested. You all, uh, this is such an amazing scene for me because Jesus now is seated on the cloud, gold crown on his head. But he's sitting there, and you know, there's so many images that I've seen depicted of Jesus. I've seen him, as I said before, with the little lamb around his neck. I'm going back to my church fan eras, with the lamb around his neck. 
I've seen Jesus with the staff in his hand, the shepherd's staff in his hand. But I've, I've never seen a, a picture depicted on a fan of Jesus with a sickle. <laughs> As a matter of fact, you all, the Grim Reaper is the image that has the sickle in his hand coming to swiftly take life from you. But Jesus now, the Son of God, Jesus, the Lamb of God, Jesus, the one that we worship, is sitting on the cloud, not with a staff in his hand, not with a lamb wrapped around his neck, but he's sitting with a sickle in his hand. And I wish that some Christian people would draw a painting and pictures of Jesus with a sickle because many of us only see him in one dimension. Therefore, we only know one part of the totality of who he is. He is not just the lamb. He also is the judge. And in this moment now, we see him sitting with the sickle in his hand. And it says, an angel from the temple came out and cried with a loud voice, take your sickle and reap because the time has come for the harvest of the earth is ripe. I remember when I did this Bible study outside as we did it midweek Bible study, I said, I, Jesus being so merciful, he sat there probably waiting for one more. One more. One more. Could you give me a, could you give me a second? Because I know, I know, I know she's going to come. If you, I know she's going to accept me. I mean, just give me another moment. Because God is so merciful. And God is so kind. And I believe you all that there are many of us that the sickle of God could be swiftly released to us. But the mercy of God is holding it back. Giving us an opportunity to come to him. Giving us an opportunity to get it right. The judgment of God and the justice of God is being stayed by the mercy of God. But now... It's over. There's no more mercy to be given. There's no more grace to be extended to humanity. Now the full, the full wrath of God is getting ready to be released on the most precious part of his creation. He's getting ready to destroy the very creation that he loves so much. So Jesus, I believe, was sitting there on the cloud a bit hesitant. And I believe that's why God had to have an angel say, you do it. He probably wouldn't do it. But the angel said, it's time. Because the harvest, the earth is right. Now, you all, this is, this is an important word. And I know many of us may not see the significance of what does it mean that the harvest of the earth is right. But there's a Greek word for ripe, and it's called zereno, which means dried or withered. And for anybody that knows about agriculture, when it's time for harvest, you cannot let the harvest get dried and withered. You've got to make some quick decisions to salvage it before the whole harvest is destroyed. Humanity, in other words, it's overripe. The term means that not only is the harvest ripe, but it's overripe. Humanity's sinful condition is overripe. You know what the Bible says when God um, destroyed uh, the world the first time? I mean, you know, it said... All men thought to do was evil continually. That was all they did. Listen, y'all, God does not embellish. God does not add stuff just to make it more powerful. When God says something, it's true. And before uh, God destroyed the earth with water, the Bible said the condition of man's heart and humanity was that all, everybody, all they thought to do was evil continually. This will be the condition of man when the sickle is released. All mankind will do is to think evil continually. Now, these, these verses here is really a snapshot of the details about what's going to happen. 
But this is an overview of what's going to happen. And God has kind of given us a, a trailer or, uh, you know, one of those uh, kind of openers of a movie so you can kind of see what's getting ready to happen. And we'll find out, you all, a little bit later, that when God was pouring out his wrath, as opposed to people repenting, they were cursing him more. When the wrath was poured out, you'll see it. Listen, God opened the heavens so they could see Jesus. And when they saw him, they cursed him. Because when you're wicked at the core, not even seeing God will change you. Hear me well now. Some of us that are watching, listen, this is not a judgment to say you're bad, but I'm trying to help you get a meter of maybe measuring where you are. When, when, you, when you're so far from God, when God shows up in your life, you still curse the very one that's been providing for you. That's when you know your heart is wicked. When everything in your life is, ain't nobody for me, ain't nobody got my back, ain't nothing right, and you're fat as a pig, Every, all your bills are paid, don't you mean to tell me God ain't for you? I'm tired, ain't nobody giving a brother a break, you know what I'm saying? I'm out here trying to make it, you feel me? And I can't, ain't nobody looking out for a brother. And here you are with gold teeth in your mouth. Here you are riding in a car and talking about ain't nobody looking out for you. God has been looking out for you, but the condition of your heart says God ain't real. So, the earth is overripe. The earth is overripe. The earth is overripe. It's so evil that the sickle must be released. And so the Bible says, watch this now, 16, I'm almost done. So he who was seated on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth and the earth was harvested. Do you see how quick that was? He didn't swing it several times. The one who sat in power and authority took the authority that was given to him quickly. It was done. When the judgment of God comes, there is no escape. When the judgment of God comes, it will be swift and it will be unexpected, and you cannot determine how you want it to come. The only thing, you can, the only thing that you can influence is what you've done prior to that judgment. Can't, 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 you can't stop the judgment. It's coming. But all you can do is ask the question, what have I done in my soul and spirit? In preparation for the judgment. Another angel came out of the temple in heaven. And he too had a sharp sickle. A lot of sickles in heaven. Still another angel who had charge of the fire. This is parenthetical. God's so bad. He got angels in charge of the fire. Isn't that something? What's your, what's your name? I'm, I'm angel in charge of the fire. I mean, the angel, in, the angel who had charge of the fire came from the altar and called in a loud voice to him, the other angel, who had the sharp sickle. Take your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of grapes from the earth's vine because its gripe, grapes are ripe. The angel swung his sickle on the earth, gathered its grapes, and threw them into the great wine press of God's wrath. Listen to that. Threw them into the great wine press of God's wrath. They were trampled in the wine press outside the city. And blood flowed out of the press, rising as high as the horse's bridles for a distance of 1,600 stadia. Well, this is a different kind of a ripeness. In verse 18, it says, the angel in charge of the fire said to the guy with the sickle, uh, take the grapes for they are ripe. And the word here for ripe is akmaso, which means to be at its prime. 
Grapes were to be harvested at their prime and thrown into a large bathtub vat, which connected to a lower kind of a receptacle by a narrow channel. As the grapes were crushed underfoot in the upper chamber, the juice flowed into the end of the vat to be collected into jars uh, for wine or for fermentation. Outside of the city, it says that this is going to be now the wine press of God. Have you ever heard this song? It's called the Battle Hymn of the Republic. My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He has loosed the fateful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. I don't know if you've heard that. You've sang that song a million times, but that is a direct reference to the book of Revelation. That in the end days, you all, there's going to be the greatest battle that humanity has ever seen. It is the battle of Armageddon. And in that battle, there will be more people killed than all of the wars collectively in human history. Did you hear what I just said? And, and, and it will occur outside of the city because outside of the holy city is where God will clear the way to make preparation for the battle in the place called Armageddon. Hallelujah. And when it happens, you all, the blood shed from that battle. It will go for 180 miles, and the height of it will be up to the bridle of a horse. So about five feet or six feet high, going for close to 200 miles, will be nothing but bloodshed. River of blood. His troop is marching. So here's the question today as we, as we close. What will you do with the knowledge that harvest time is coming? What will you do with the knowledge that Jesus one day will not just harvest humanity and not just make this fallen world right again and not just cause the sin stain that is in humanity's heart and the sin stain that has now worked its way into the very fabric of our earth. Not only will he make all those things new, but... Right now in your life currently, he wants you to be made new. And you can make a decision. You can make a decision to have, listen, a deed that you do now follow you after death. Because the Bible says, and your deeds will follow you. The question is, have you made a deed that is going to carry you into the presence of God? And if you've not done that, listen, there's no judgment right now. There's nothing but mercy and grace if you've not done that, all God wants you to do is simply acknowledge the fact you're not God. You're not in charge of everything. And simply say, Jesus, I surrender to you as my Lord, as my king, as the one that I submit my life to. And when you do that, you know what you've done? Not only have you allowed him to start working in your life, but you've also said, I've taken, in a sense, the mark of Christ. <laughs> I've chosen to be associated with God and with Christ and with his people. And so when the time comes for your life to end on this side, you don't have to worry about where you're going because to be absent from this body will be to be present with him. But if for some reason those of you that may be watching this and you're in the midst of the tribulation, I want you to know that even in the midst of this dark time, you can still choose God. And in choosing Christ, you can be spared from eternal separation from God. And so you all, I want to pray with us. 
And I want you, wherever you are, to make the decision to say yes to Jesus in spite of whatever the enemy might be whispering against that. Let's bow our heads together. God, we love you, we honor, and we bless you. Thank you so much for your word, which helps us to understand more about your nature, more about your character. Help us, God, to know the church's role in helping people to come to know you. That, God, we, we cannot ever come to know you if we haven't heard about you. We can't hear about you unless someone's been sent to tell people about you. And, God, I pray for those of us who have been given the amazing gift of salvation to know that it's not just preachers that carry that. It's not just evangelists or teachers in Sunday school that carry that. But each and every one of us have been given the responsibility of taking the good news and sharing it with others. And so as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you're watching and you say, Pastor, I, I'm one of those people that kind of when you gave that test about being ungrateful, that's me. I complain a lot. I often say what I don't have. I often say what God ain't doing. But you know what? I, I, think, I think I'm wrong because I, I do know God has been with me. I do know God has protected me. And what can I do to let him know how grateful I am? All you can do, my brother. All you can do, my sister, is simply surrender to him. Just simply say yes to Jesus. One of the great things about having heard what you just had a chance to experience is that your faith has gotten stronger. There's no way that you could have heard this message and your faith has not been increased. But where do we go? How do we move from faith to faith? The Bible is very clear that if you have not really made the greatest decision of your life, which is to become a Christian, you've really missed the great joy of the journey. So wherever you are, if you would like to have a personal relationship with Christ, do what the scripture says. Call upon the name of the Lord and you can be saved. Pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. I receive you now as my Savior and as my Lord. I'm trusting you and only you to direct my life in Jesus' name. Congratulations, wherever you are, that means that you have become a believer. For those of you that are already believers, your faith is now stronger. Don't be merely a hearer, but be a doer, and let's change the world. If you just prayed that prayer, you have an opportunity to reach out to us, and we would be honored to serve you and help you in your journey. Uh, please contact us at area code 313-871-FORT, or please visit us on our website, Citadel of Faith. Dot org that simply spells c-i-t-a-d-e-l of faith.org all one word we would love to hear your testimonies we would love to hear your prayer requests know that you're in a partnership with us and you're not in the journey alone let's change the world together one person at a time <laughs>